This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Chazal tell us that the second base of Migdush was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam. Hence, our avoda, our work, is to eliminate Sinas Chinam, baseless hatred. And that is one of the main focuses during the three weeks, and certainly during the year, for us to eliminate this concept of baseless hatred, to work on Avas Yisrael, to learn to love fellow Jews, and certainly to eliminate this concept of Sinas Chinam. But I'd like to share with you the very first problem that we face when we're dealing with this. There is no such thing as baseless hatred. You'll never find somebody saying, I have no reason for it, but I just hate the guy. I don't like his tie, I don't like his smile, I just hate him. I have no reason, I just hate him. There's always a reason. You see, baseless hatred implies that there is no reason. But you'll never find rational, sane people like you and I hating other people without a very real reason, and that becomes a major problem. How could I eliminate baseless hatred when it doesn't exist in our world? And I'd like to spend a few moments focusing on this very concept because I think it underscores much of what our avoda is. And to do that, let's take a step back in the very beginning of Chumash. About 300 years after the Mabal, the Torah tells us about the events of the Dor HaFlaga. Now this generation, were, they set their goal as one. Their goal was to rebel against Hashem. They were Dvarim Achadim, the entire world. That entire community, that entire society was Safa Echas. Everyone in creation till that point only spoke Hebrew. And that entire group of people were Dvarim Echad, that one unifying principle. And Rashi explains to us what it was to rebel against Hashem. With Nimrod as their leader, and they set their goal to wage war against Hashem. And interestingly enough, Rashi tells us something else about that generation. The people there while they were extremely wicked, practiced Ava Vereus. They practiced love and friendship one with the other. When they created this unified group to rebel against Hashem, they did it with love, with fellowship. They had a tremendous bond. And the Chumash relates to us exactly what happened. They said, let us build an ear of Amygdal. And it wasn't just to build a tower to go box, to go fight against Hashem. And the Al-Sheikh explains to us they were trying to put a root to Tuma in the world. As there is a holy place called the Harabayas, as there is within that area the Temple Mount itself and the base of Mikdash, they were trying to build Keneged, that Tuma, and they were trying to lay root to Tuma in the world. And they set out their goal to build this tower, and they were very engaged in building it and very, very productive in this process. And the Torah tells us that Hashem says to the Molochim, let us go look at this ear and let us go look at this Migdal. And when Hashem goes down with the Malachi Asharits to do this, Hashem says there's nothing that's going to stop them. As the Sfurna explains, normally what stops a convention of people moving forward is rife, is strife, various contentions, various issues, but they lived in utter peace. They had such a clear mission, such a clear path, there was nothing that was going to prevent them. Says Hashem, Let us mix up their language. And in fact, the Torah tells us that's what happened. Hashem spread them out throughout the land because Hashem changed their language. 
Therefore, they were called Bovel. And Rashi explains to us what was happening. Hashem says, to stop them, what I'm going to do is I'm going to change their languages. Up until that point, the entire humanity only spoke Lashon HaKodesh. Hashem created the world in Hebrew and Lashon HaKodesh, and that was the only language in existence. Hashem said, I'm now going to introduce 70 languages, and instantly, all of them are going to speak different languages. Rashi explains to us what happened. They were on the work site, and instantly, in a flash, they began speaking the different dialects the different languages, and what happened was, someone would ask, pass me a brick, and the person hearing didn't speak that language, so passed them cement. And the guy who got the cement said, what did you do that for? He took a hammer and smashed them. They began fighting and crashing. They could not live together. Hashem spread them out. Why? Because since they were speaking different languages, they were fighting and quarreling and got into all kinds of crashes, smashing each other over the head. And that's why they had to spread out. They no longer could live together. And that's the way Hashem stopped this society from building this tower of Bovel, from doing this, laying root to tumult. And if you think about that Rashi, it's rather perplexing and rather difficult to understand. Because I understand that if Hashem changes their language, and now I speak German, you speak French, we can no longer communicate. But we could probably figure out a way to work together. I could point, we could sign language, we could figure. Why does it automatically lead to you smashing me over the head, I smashing you? Why did it lead to fistfight? Why did it lead to such a breakdown in society that they can no longer live together? This was the group that practiced Ava Vareus. And this was a group that really had one mission and were unified in this mission. Okay, now there's certain differences in language, I get it. But why does that lead to fistfights? Why does it lead to smashing each other over the head? This Rashi is very difficult to understand. And to understand what Rashi is sharing with us, I'd like to share with you a perspective. There is a concept known as theory of mind. Theory of mind is rather obvious, but it's not so obvious to everyone who's involved in it. The theory of mind basically says that I have different beliefs and different perspectives, different intentions and different desires than you do. And I could be aware of that fact. I may like vanilla ice cream, you may not. I may like it cold at night, you may like it hot. Theory of mind allows me to understand that my beliefs, my intentions, my convictions might not be yours and we may not share the same mindset. And while that may be obvious to you and I, there are entire segments of the population who aren't aware of that. If you're involved in any level with people in the autism, autism spectrum, you'll know that this is one of the key elements lacking, the inability to recognize that if I know something, that doesn't mean you know it. And if I feel something... It doesn't mean you necessarily feel it. And one of the hallmarks of autism is the inability to recognize that there are different mindsets, different beliefs, different intentions, and just because I feel something doesn't mean you feel it, just because I know something doesn't mean you know it. However, here's the interesting part. It's not just people who are on the autism spectrum who suffer from this, you and I, as well as the rest of the human population, do as well in different situations. And to share with you what I mean, Elizabeth Newton earned a PhD in psychology from Stanford University with one very, very simple experiment. Her experiment consisted of the following. She divided people into groups. One group was called the tappers and the other were the listeners. 
and the experiment involved the following. The tappers were supposed to tap out the beat of a song, and the listeners were supposed to guess the song. She gave the tappers a list of 25 well-known songs, Happy Birthday to Star Spangled Banner. And again, the tapper's job it was to tap out the beat of the song, and the listener <clears throat> job it was to discern what song it was. Now here's the interesting part. The listeners got it right 2.5%, meaning they almost never were able to guess. Because when someone taps out just the beat of a song, it's like some kind of uh, Morse code that's very hard to really relate to a song. But that's not the interesting part. The interesting part is she asked the tappers, what are the odds that the listener is going to guess the song? 50% of the tappers... That's exactly what they said. The tappers said 50% of the listeners will guess it every time, and person after person, tapper after tapper would say that, and it's at least a 50-50, and yet it was only 2.5% of the listeners who got it. And the reason behind it is very compelling. Because you see, when you tap out a song, you can't help but play it in your mind. And it's almost incredible to watch the faces of the tappers as they tap out the song and the listener can't get it. Like, what's your problem? It's so obvious. But it's so obvious to me because I'm tapping out the song while I'm playing it in my mind. I can't help but play it in my mind. So it's so obvious. And I can't understand how you can't get it. And after doing this experiment with hundreds and hundreds of people and finding the same result that every tapper assumed it's, of course, the listener is going to get it, and the listeners never got it. What she was proving was an interesting reality. And that is, oftentimes, we human beings have things in our mind that other people don't necessarily know, but they're so obvious to us, they're so clear to us, that I can't even imagine that everyone doesn't know it. And if you would like to know the basis to any machlokas, any argument amongst groups, amongst people, whether it be with co-workers, whether it be with siblings, whether it be with parents... Any machlokas always stems from this single mistake. I assume that you get it. I assume it's so obvious and it's so clear, there's no question that you understand it. And that's really the first step. And the first step is you said something and it's obvious and everyone knows that that was callous, mean, and cruel. And everyone knows there was no reason for you to do it. I know it, you know it. And then there's one more step. And the next step is it has to be pain. When I'm hurt by your words. You see, it's not just obvious that you did it intentionally. And it's not just obvious that you understood the implications. It caused me pain. And then we get to the third step that's necessary for every machlokas. And that is I demonize the other person. You see, it's so obvious that you understood the implication. And you caused me pain. There is no excuse. There is no rationale. There's no reason. It must be that you're a cruel, callous creep. It must be that you're wicked. It must be that you're an evil individual. And these three elements you'll find in any machlokas. Number one, I get it. I understand that you get it because I get it. My experience defines reality. The way I experience the world is reality. And of course you realize it too. And despite that you did this, and I'm pained by it, Once I'm pained by it, and it's so obvious, and of course you get it, I have no choice but to demonize you. And those are the three steps in any machlokas. Number one, I understand clearly that you get it. There's unimind. My experience defines reality. 
Number two, there's pain. And number three, I demonize. And that's exactly, I believe, Pshat and Rashi. You see, we all speak Hebrew. That's all we've ever spoken. And I said to you clearly, pass the hammer. And instead of passing the hammer, you gave me cement. Now, why'd you do that? You knew what I meant. There's only one word for hammer, and that's hammer, and I said it. And yet you didn't do that. Why'd you do that? You obviously did it because you don't care. You obviously did it because you want to cause me pain. You're a creep. You're a bum. You're a nobody. And it's appropriate for me to smash you over the head. And the reason why these people ended up in such fights, fist fights, smashing, and couldn't live together, was because instantly there was a reality change. Through their entire existence, everyone spoke one language. And now suddenly there were 70 languages. But of course you understand what I mean, because everyone always understood what everyone meant. And suddenly you were doing something that was clearly wrong. And yet you know what I meant. It's obvious that there's only one reason. You're a creep, you're a bum, you're vicious, you're vile. And this became so spelled out, and it got to the point they couldn't live together. They had to spread out amongst the entire world. And this group of people, while they had begun with such a unified mission, they had begun with Ava Vareus and broke down to such a degree they could not live in the same proximity. They were fighting fistfights back and forth until they literally had to separate. And I believe that this Rashi shares with us a profound concept, and that is the very first step in any machlokas is exactly this point. It's so obvious to me, how could you not get it? And this element is the key to understanding baseless hatred. You see, the reason why I hate you is because there's very good cause and very good reason, because you understood what you were doing. And despite that fact, you did it. It's clear to me you caused me this pain because you're whatever it may be, and I'm going to demonize and spell it out. And this is exactly what happens time after time. You see, we don't fight with enemies. You ever notice we always get into fight with friends, with relatives, with people amongst whom we share the same ideals, the same worldview. And ironically, it's not the people that we're, we don't like that we get into fights with. It's those closest to us. It's family members. And it's people who we share things with who we get into fight. And how could that be? We share so much of a worldview together. And we look at things the same way. And the answer is, invariably, this begins with the step, I assume that you get it, and you didn't get it, and yet you did what you did. And let me show you exactly what I'm talking about. And you'll excuse me for doing it in this dimension, because it applies across every relationship. But probably the easiest one to see it in is the closest of all human relationships, and that's marriage. And let me give you a classic example. A young fellow's been married about six months now, and he comes home one evening, puts the keys into his apartment door, and as he's about to open the door, he says to himself, Ah, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem, I married such a grounded, solid girl, not one of those flighty dames. She's so normal and so grounded. Ah, Baruch Hashem, I'm so happy. And he opens the door, walks in, and there he sees his young wife standing on a chair. She's standing on a chair and kind of, Sure, what's the matter, Sure. What? It's a, a, a cockroach, a cockroach. Please, please take care of it. He looks at her and uh, goes over the cockroach. <sniffs> okay, you can come down now, Shira. You, you can come down. It's okay now. 
And she comes down, <clears throat> he doesn't say much about it. Okay, two weeks later he gets a call. He's in the colo. He doesn't even bring a telephone, <clears throat> cell phone into the base medrash because he's a big masmid. He gets, <clears throat> his friend brings a phone by, it's your wife, I don't know, it's something serious. What is it, what is it? David, please come home. Why, what's here, what's up, what's up? There, there, there are two of them, there are two of them, please come home. He hangs up the phone, he says to himself, I don't believe it. She wants me to leave the base medrash. She wants me to leave the basement because of two cockroaches. He gets in the car, steam is coming out of his ears, <clears throat> over and over, is playing, I can't believe her, is her chashivas Torah, why is she doing this? He gets home, <clears throat> opens the apartment door, there she is on the chair, he goes over to the two cockroaches, <clears throat> I hope you're satisfied. Turns around, gets back in his car, goes back to the basement and learns. Okay, who's right and who's wrong there? Who's right and who's wrong? On the one hand, you'd say he's being kind of callous, right? I mean, that's not very nice. Your wife's up on the chair, she's afraid. Pretty callous, right? On the other hand, uh, she's not so right in calling him out of the base medrash, right? Would you like to know who's right and who's wrong? The answer is, who cares? Because both of them are making one fundamental mistake. You see, he is judging her based on his experience and his reality. I don't know why it is, but boys generally are not afraid of bugs. Girls usually are. I have four boys, four girls, can hurt, and two boys. And the girls, whenever they were little, would ask one of their baby brothers to, if there was a bug, but they have to make sure he didn't eat it. I don't know why it is, but oftentimes girls are afraid of bugs. Boys aren't. But here's the reality. She was petrified. She was terrified. And there she was up on the chair. And he said to himself, why is she scared? There's nothing to be scared of. She's just carrying on. And when he crushed the bug the first time, and certainly the second time, he said to himself, there's nothing to be scared of. Obviously, she's just carrying on. She, on the other hand, is up on the chair filled with fear and feeling, why is he being such a creep? There's only one reason why he's acting this way, because he's a cold, callous creep, and he doesn't even care about me. He sees I'm afraid, he sees I'm scared, and he doesn't care. You see, both of them are missing the underpinnings of what's going on. And both of them are judging the situation from their experience, from their reality, and both are missing the boat. You see, let's change things around a little bit. Let's assume it was him in the apartment. And it wasn't a cockroach, but let's say it was a Doberman Pinscher, a German Shepherd. He would not be up on the chair, he'd be out on the fire escape or three floors down by then. But you see, he's not afraid of bugs, but that's okay, but she is. But you see, both of them have to understand one point. My experience is my experience. But my experience doesn't define reality. My experience is the way I experience things, is the way I relate to things. And this is the underpinning to any single machlokas you have. Any single time. You see, his mistake was to say, I'm not afraid of bugs, therefore there's nothing to be afraid of. So what she's doing is carrying on. And what she said was, there's something to be afraid of, and he knows that. And he clearly understands that, and yet he's mocking me. And yet he's being callous. Both of them were missing this key point, and that key point is that my experience is my experience, but my experience doesn't define reality. And I'd like to share with you the two most important words in marriage and the two most important words in any single relationship. It's not, I'm sorry, not even, yes, dear, it's not even, I'm wrong. The two most important words in marriage and in any relationship 
other words, that's strange. That's strange. You see, if when he walked in the apartment and he saw his wife up on the chair, if he would have said to himself, that's strange, she's a very grounded girl. She's really not one of those flighty dames. So why is she up on the chair? That's strange. You see, that's strange opens him up to the question of why is she doing that. There is nothing to be afraid of, yet she's a grounded person and she is clearly afraid. That's strange. And if you ask yourself, not the other person, but if you say the words, that's strange to yourself, what happens is you open the possibility of maybe understanding the other person's emotional world, understanding what's going on in their reality. And this is, I believe, the solution to almost every single machlokas. The minute someone does something outrageous, the minute someone does something that's clearly inexcusable, if you say the words, that's strange, you then open yourself up to the question of, gee golly, why? He's a nice guy. He's normally such a friendly fellow. Why did he say those words? Why did he act that way? Why did he do what he did? But you see, what we do by nature is we know there is no reason for him to do it, and there is no excuse for him to do it, and the only reason he did it was, and then we demonize him because he's a jerk, he's a bum, he's whatever he may be, and we begin spewing out, and we react, and he reacts, we react, he reacts, and before you know it, we're deep down the line. And I believe that this is a tremendous, tremendous episode. Even though this society joined together by Ava Vareus, and they were unified, and they practiced fellowship, and practiced love, but the minute that their language changed instantly, they could no longer live together. But why? Because I asked you for a hammer, and you handed me a brick. And everyone knows that when I say the word hammer, it means hammer. And yet you gave me a brick. There's no reason, there's no possible explanation why you did what you did other than to aggravate me, to annoy me, to cause me strife. And you're a bum and a creep and boom, boom, fast fist fight. And it's over. Because they had never experienced different languages. And they never experienced the idea that what I think, what I realize, what I understand may not be what you understand. And this concept of theory of mind, recognizing that my beliefs, my intentions, my understandings are exactly that. My beliefs, my intentions, my understandings. But that doesn't mean that they're yours. And when I see someone do something outrageous, something that's really so egregious and so wrong, if I train my tongue to say to myself the words, and that's strange, suddenly I open myself up to the beginning of understanding their emotional world. If we want to grow and we want to accomplish, we want to eliminate sinaskinum, and we have to recognize that, of course, it's baseless. It's baseless because once I create this scenario, I hate you for a very good reason. The reason is because what you did is unconscionable. What you did is inexcusable. What you did was... But all of that is built on one premise, that I and you share the same mind. And because I and you share the same mind, you knew what you were doing. And what you did was fully intentional to hurt me, to cause me pain, inexcusable, no rationale, no reason, and therefore you are, and I demonize, and make you into whatever, then of course my hatred isn't baseless, my hatred is based on very good reasons, but that's exactly the point, of course it's baseless. It's baseless because your reality and my reality are different. My experiences and your experiences are different, and the way I feel, the way you feel are different, 
And understanding that concept is life-changing because ultimately that solves every single problem and certainly makes a huge, huge difference in every single marriage because any strife in a marriage always stems from some element of misunderstanding. And if it's true in marriage, it's true in every relationship. Understanding that my reality it may not be yours. Understanding that the way I think isn't necessarily the way you think. And training myself to stop and say, that's strange, why did he do that? Why did she say that? And then trying to understand the underpinnings of your emotional reality. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.